Welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna shaw I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. And before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Um, If you haven't signed up for our mailing list yet, this would be a great week to do it. We're going to talk about a bunch of recipes and ideas for things to cook, and those are things that are hard to uh, remember or get all the information from just by hearing our voices. So if you sign up for our mailing list, we're going to send you a whole bunch of friendly links, so you'll have all the info. Um, To sign up for our mailing list, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. There's a little box where you put in your email address and we email you twice a month. It's very uh, casual. We're not lighting up your inbox all the time. Uh, But it's another way to keep in touch with us and get either exclusive content or reminders about stuff from the show. So sign up for our mailing list. It's super fun. Uh, This is the last of our Eating for Power series. I can't believe it. It's not the last season we'll ever experience, ideally, but it is the last in our series that we will have done all of the seasons by today. Do you remember back to spring, Daphne? I do. So fondly. So fondly. I miss it already, (laughs) but I am so excited to talk about winter. Um, Winter recipes, winter vegetables, winter foods that just make us feel awesome. And, um, yeah, spring seems like so long ago. But But it's coming up next. That's right. It's the furthest away and the closest in the future. And then will we do Eating for Power year two? (laughs) (laughs) No, that sounds repetitive. You can just go back in the archive, guys. Yeah. That is something I should say is that... We can rerun those episodes. Totally. Yeah. Uh, If you are listening to this not in the winter because you're not uh, listening to these episodes as soon as they come out, which is totally fine, um, you can go back in our feed... To, we have Eating for Power episodes for spring, summer, and fall. So you can find how to eat for power for whatever season you're existing in in the moment. But we, for better or worse, are existing in winter. <laughs> well, one of the things, well, and I guess this is coming off of our previous episode in which Joanna and I talked about seasonal affective disorder and the SADS. Well, one of the things that makes me very excited about winter I love winter cooking. Yeah. I love winter cooking. I love soups. I love stews. I love cooking with my husband. I love winter produce. I love potatoes. I love squash. I love sweet potatoes, a.k.a. all the things that get me through winter. Totally. (laughs) Uh, So as we're getting started, um, for those who haven't heard an Eating for Power episode before, um, food is fuel, and so... We're going to talk about um, how to um, fuel ourselves up with the foods that are available in the winter. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about eating for power, Daphne, what are you thinking well, about? Well, so for me, eating for power is eating foods that are nutrient-dense and foods that are in season. I think ultimately stressing the fact that when we eat foods that are in season, we get the most, um, we get the most nutrient-packed foods. So a lot of times in many stores... Uh, even produce is manufactured or genetically created. I meant genetically created, GMO'd. Um, Produce is created now where it can just be available at all times of the year and we can get the same things year-round, time after time, month after month, and everything looks exactly the same. And eating for power is 
eating foods that are in season, nutrient dense foods that make us feel powerful because we're fueling ourselves so effectively, but also foods that make us feel empowered in the sense that when we when we eat these nutrient dense seasonal foods, it's like we are taking control of our health and taking control of our bodies and our lives. Love it. So what are we focusing on getting into our diets? I always say, instead of eliminating things, always bring in things. So when it comes to eating for power in the wintertime, there are so many delicious things that are in season and so many delicious, um, so many delicious recipes that I love to make. Um, but mainly the, the things that we want to focus on are getting in things that, things that exist in the wintertime. So lots of sweet potatoes, um, using carrots and onions pretty much in everything. Um, and then tons of greens, like because, winter greens. And all of this is in order to get nutrients, right? All of this is vitamins, in order to minerals. Get vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and all the things that our bodies need to survive. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the winter, it feels harder to do this because in the summer and the fall, there's so much uh, that grows and is fresh and is local. Um, it feels easy, I think, to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables in during the like harvest season Mm -hmm. and in the winter it feels harder um and part of that is I'm not in the mood for a salad yeah it's cold outside I don't want to eat a cold pile of leaves totally you even see sweet green trying to push they're like we have warm bowls we have warm bowls whatever I'm sure they're fine on the (laughs) in their um in their uh like on the little chalk sign that sits outside of every salad place in the wintertime in New York, I feel like they're like, we have grain bowls, please come in. But Sweet Green <laughs> is doing totally fine. Yeah. They are not struggling at all. I'm the same way, though. And for me in the wintertime, it's very rare that I crave a salad, especially at night. Like, I'm not having Sweet Green for dinner. I'm also not really... Uh, at night, if I were to make a little, like, side salad to go with what we're cooking for dinner... Um, like, I'll do that, but I don't really want that as, like, my main dinner meal. There's something about, like, not wanting to eat foods that are too cold. I want to eat foods that are warm and foods that taste and feel nourishing and comforting. Something you've told me before, too, specifically in regards to, like, if I'm feeling under the weather or something like that, is that raw foods take more energy to digest. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're feeling healthy and warm and great during the summer, that's totally fine. But if you're feeling under the weather or you're feeling cold, you're one of the reasons you don't find raw foods appealing as much in the winter, if that's true for you, is that your body's trying to conserve energy because mm-hmm. it's trying to keep you warm. Yeah. Um, and it, it's totally okay not to want salad in the winter. You don't have to eat a cold salad in the winter. Yeah, don't. We release you. Yeah, we we have pardoned you from that <laughs> obligation. Because <laughs> uh, you can still get a lot of produce and a lot of nutrients without having to eat raw salads. Exactly. You can get a ton of wonderful produce in with soups, with stews. We made our first beef stew mm. of the season. What do you put in your week. beef stew? Oh, everything. What don't we put in our beef stew? Um, like all the vegetables. Yeah. And it's like carrots, pearl onions, mushrooms. I believe there's some celery that goes into there, potatoes, uh, beef. <laughs> really <laughs> My good favorite beef. vegetable. An entire bottle of red wine and really good beef stock. And there you have it. I mean, tomato paste. I think that's pretty much pretty much it. You can use actually probably just tomatoes. Um, but yeah, we made our first beef stew recently. And um, it was so good. Oh, group, group peas. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how they 
add such a little pop of color. Mm -hmm. I learned peas actually do add some flavor to things. I just never, yeah, growing up in a Chinese household, we didn't eat English garden peas very often. But, but now you married an Englishman. I married an Englishman, and now there's peas and everything. So. <laughs> well, uh, what we usually do in our Eating for Power episodes is we run through what's in season and how we each like to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where the fact that I have been a CSA member for several years comes in handy because I have had to eat uh, a bunch of uh, vegetables or they go bad in my fridge. <laughs> uh, so let's go through some of the stuff that's available in our part of the world in the winter. So first off, most of what is seasonal or local this time of year for us is not stuff that is like freshly pulled out of the ground. It's stuff that can be stored. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what you're seeing at farmer's markets um, is things that can be wintered over in a cellar or a barn, or whatever. Um, and that's totally fine. Um, it, it, Nature is so cool. Just a quick <laughs> side note. <laughs> if you take a look at all these foods we're about to list, they are, like, the most durable, crazy, like, produce things that last a long time. I'm just, like, looking at our list right now, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've had that in my, like, bowl of produce for, like, weeks, and it stays good. So. I would say also that has to do with like the several um, hundred years of the evolution of human farming. Exactly. Oh, well, <laughs> that yeah. That we've like too. specifically grown these things so that they can be wintered over because in the time before being able to like ship in avocados from California, like, I mean, we love avocados, <laughs> but like when you long. couldn't do that, you had to eat in the winter. And so farmers specifically bred Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes (laughs) so that you could, and like as an example. So nature is awesome, but also human ingenuity. Human ingenuity. Although I do love avocado humor. (laughs) I mean, I have seen it everywhere, like all over Instagram and also in like different cafes. People just have things written on the walls. Avocado jokes. Yeah. It's like, not yet, not yet, not yet. I'm ripe. Too late. (laughs) So true. Like that's written on the wall of a cafe right now in my neighborhood. So luckily, you don't have to worry about that with these winter vegetables. No, you do not. So let's talk about greens first. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking greens in the winter, we're not going to be talking about, like, baby lettuces and things that, like, um, need to be picked fresh and are really um, tender. We're going to be talking about things like cabbage. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about uh, greens that can be grown in, like, hoop houses or greenhouses, like kale and spinach. So those hardier greens, they even get called winter greens, mm-hmm. um, like mustard greens, things like that. Um, and it's very hip right now to have kale or spinach raw in a salad, but uh, it has not always been, Mm-mm. and you can cook those things. Yeah. Uh, do you have either winter recipes you use that use a lot of greens or ways that you cook greens in the winter? That- yeah. I still eat a ton of greens in the winter. And so what I do is I, as of late, what I've been doing to get my greens in without having to eat a cold salad, I've been making like a big vat of farro. And then while it's still warm, I dump in pretty much an entire box of whatever, whether it's kale or spinach or um, uh, any type of green. And then what the, the heat kind of wilts it and just kind of like melts it in. And then I add a ton of stuff. I'll add like walnuts and chickpeas and, um, you know, maybe some goat cheese and olive oil and vinegar. And it just becomes essentially my own grain bowl. But um, it's warm. And then it wilts. And it's almost like it's more about the grain. But the, the green is there, mm-hmm. and I'm still getting it into my body, 
without having to eat a cold salad. Totally. Um, the like throw a handful in at the end method is also really effective with soups. Mm-hmm. Um, that like just about any soup you make at the end, you can throw in your kale or your spinach and uh, it will wilt itself in your broth. And that's another way to get those greens. Mm-hmm. Um, cabbage is something that we've been trying to attack recently because we got a cabbage from our CSA. Mm. And uh, it took us a while to get out of, like, coleslaw land. Mm-hmm. It actually takes a long time for us to use up an entire cabbage if we're just Amazing. making coleslaw. Cabbage lasts so forever. It, it lasts forever, and there's so much of it because it's so dense. But one thing that we made recently that we really liked and I think is actually pretty kid-friendly, too, is we made a recipe that was basically like, um, it was supposed to taste like the inside of an egg roll. So it was basically a stir fry where you um, shred up the cabbage. So it's like shredded cabbage. Carrots. Carrots. Um, We used ground beef, but you could definitely use ground pork or tofu if you don't do um, meat. Uh, And it had um, like soy sauce and sesame oil and stuff in it. It was super easy. It was done in like 15 minutes. And we used half a cabbage. That's awesome. That sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try making that. Totally. Yeah. Um, also really inexpensive. I think like the most expensive thing was that we used like a squirt of sriracha. Um, <laughs> I so love sriracha. I do too. Really makes the dish. Yeah, it really um, does. And there are lots of other, especially if you go into cooking from cultures that have like long winters, like Russian food, there's like a bajillion cabbage recipes. Yeah. Um, with cabbage and beets. Yeah, totally, cabbage yeah. and beets. Um, so you can still get in those greens in the winter, but you don't have to eat them raw. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get on to some other veggies. Um, you brought up beets. Uh, what's your fave, I love beets. fave way to have beets? I love beets so much. Um, uh, I like to roast them, and my favorite way of eating them is like a vinaigrette Stuart makes. It must just be like apple cider vinegar, olive oil. and My favorite way to eat them is the way someone else makes them for me, so I don't have to cook them. My favorite way to eat them is the way my husband prepares them. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> and then um, just uh, goat cheese and walnuts. Mm-hmm. I always talk about how I'm like mildly lactose intolerant. For some reason, goat cheese is fine. Actually, there is me. a reason it has less lactose. It's, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Says the person who used to work in a cheese yeah. shop. Um <laughs> So that's like a pretty basic recipe, but that's what we've been doing, um, and we've we've also been combined. We'll do roasted beets, and then we'll do roasted beets and roasted carrots, like all in mm-hmm. the same meal. Yeah, so. I for some reason really don't care for beet soup. I think a lot of people do like beet it. Soup. It doesn't do it for me. Like and, borscht. Yeah, borscht. Yeah, and like my Russian heritage is crying right now, but <laughs> it doesn't do it for me, and that's okay because. There's another way that I do like them. I really like them roasted. Um, we boil them often, which has like leaves you basically with the same kind of product at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can do it on your stovetop if your oven is full of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really find that vinegar is the key to beets. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> it's amazing what acidity can do to just brighten up. Every mm-hmm. dish just needs some salt, some fat, some acidity, and mm-hmm. you're good to go. Totally. Yeah. So beets with literally... Vinegar, olive oil, salt. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, carrots are another prime candidate for roasting. Yes. Roasted carrots are delish. Um, 
fine eat them roasted, but I really love rainbow carrots. Sure. So yeah. that those are carrots that are like multiple different colors. They look like very unicorns. No, just kidding. Uh, they kind of do. So it's purple, white, and orange. Mm-hmm. Those are I feel like the the ones that come in my bag of rainbow carrots. Yeah, and it, it like having vegetables be fun colors is a great way to get your kids interested in eating them. Totally. Yeah, I think. Having not had kids, I'm sort of making that up, but it seems like it would work. It makes me more excited about eating them. Um, We also steam carrots. That seems like a really sort of like um, 1950s way of preparing a vegetable. But turns out if carrots are lightly steamed instead of like steamed within an inch of their life, they're pretty delicious and sweet. And again, it's easy because if you have other stuff in your oven, you can do that on your stove top. Yeah, steaming brings out a completely different flavor. Mm -hmm. I I love steaming vegetables. I think that... um, it it really brings out their their natural sweetness and their natural flavor. I we, you know we of course love roasting them too. You and I roast so many so many things. Um, <laughs> We're always roasting, which brings out like a caramelization in a lot of the. The produce we're talking mm-hmm. about, but steaming is just like such a different different story. Totally That's good. You know. Going back to roasting, um, roasting, and lots of people have said this, so this is not an original idea. But roasting vegetables is a great way to encourage kids to eat them and encourage adults to eat them because what you're talking about with the caramelization is when you roast vegetables, um, there's a reaction that happens with when the outside gets what you call caramelized, mm-hmm. called the my. Maillard reaction, Um, and it brings out the natural sweetness of the vegetables. So if you have kids who, because their natural palates find things more bitter and are attracted to sweeter things, um, roasting vegetables is a good way to make them literally taste better to your Mm -hmm. kids. So this is true with broccoli, which a lot of kids don't like because they think it's bitter. Roasting it, I've heard from, from friends who are parents that roasted broccoli is a hit, but they call it popcorn broccoli. Oh, so good. Um, Because it tastes like popcorn a little bit. Yeah, it does. Um, Carrots is the same way. It's, like, really nice and sweet. Um, And it's the same with um, onions. You've talked before about how you like to roast onions. Oh, my God. I love roasting onions in combination with other things. So doing – I do a mix of a sweet potato and cut up apples and chopped up onions and – you just throw all, all of that onto your cookie sheet and douse it with olive oil and salt flakes, sea salt flakes, and whatever dried spices, I don't know, like basil, rosemary, oregano, whatever, have lying around, and it's the most fragrant thing. It's amazing what adding an onion to your roasted vegetables can do. Totally. And what adding onion to anything can do, or starting with onion. A couple other onion thoughts. Um, one is that... <laughs> don't laugh at me. <laughs> Uh, onion Thoughts with Joanna Shaw Flam. Yeah, uh, that's the title of your next book. Totally. Of your first book. <laughs> yeah, I haven't written a book. Um, one is that French onion soup is not hard to uh, make yum. and is so fun in the winter. Um, and you have that like deeply flavorful oniony broth. Um, and another thing that is not that hard, it just takes a little time, is caramelized onions. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and one problem I often have in the winter is that like food just isn't interesting. Like, I've... I tend to start craving, like, spicy things, yeah. really flavorful stuff in the winter because um, I think that I'm I'm feeling sort of bland in general by that time of year. Mm-hmm. And um, caramelized onions are a great way to add pizzazz to all sorts of things. And you can um, caramelize a whole pot of onions and then put them in the fridge or probably even the freezer and then use them to top things, top things as you go. Anything. Um, like a... 
you can top burgers with them. Mm-hmm. You can top meat with them. You can put them on little, uh, you know, you can make like spread goat cheese on bread. I just have goat cheese on the mind right totally. now. Clearly I'm craving goat cheese. Um, <laughs> yeah, goat cheese and then top that with caramelized onions as like an appetizer. Yeah. Joanna, you can put it in omelets. So good. Yeah. Totally. Mm, sounds so good. Um, and basically you could, uh, I'll include a recipe in the show notes and in our newsletter, but um, caramelizing onions is basically you just cut the onions in, in strips and you cook it low and slow for a long time. Um, usually I think there's like some oil and some balsamic involved, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not hard. It just takes a little while and you can actually do it in the slow cooker. Oh, so slow cooker. We're going to be talking about that totally. soon too. We love our slow cooker. Do you cook with parsnips? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> have you, have you ever had them? So they look like actually, big white carrots. Yeah. Um, wait. Oh, I'm thinking turnips. Oh, yeah. Turnips are, like, round and white. We're yeah. going to talk about them, too. Parsnips. Well, we can just talk about them at the same time. Parsnips <laughs> look like long white carrots, and I think Have taste I? sort of sweet and, like, almost a little nutty. They're not as common. Yeah. Um, they're sort I mean, of like I, a peasant vegetable. I know what they are. I just realized. Yeah. It just hit me. I've never cooked with them. Yeah. Well, that is a fun thing to do in the winter, like... You, we may have a smaller number of things that we can cook, but there's still almost always something that we've just never tried. Mm-hmm. Parsnips aren't hard to cook. You can roast them like you would roast um, carrots or onions or whatever else. If you've never made a parsnip, try some parsnips. Uh, they're pretty um, accessible, I think, flavor-wise. Um, turnips are a little less so. What's your turnip? Turnips. Do you have turnip history because of being Chinese? You know, I'm actually trying to recall in my memory right now if I've actually ever eaten one. Have you had, like, turnip cakes? I don't. Like, Chinese turnip cakes? Yes. Those are turnips. (laughs) Oh, my God. I didn't realize that. You're right. Mm -hmm. And I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know what I'm talking yeah. about. No one else Does knows the what audience we're know what we're talking about? The audience doesn't know what we're talking about. It's a Chinese um, dim sum cake. And it's just like a sliced thing that gets like pan fried on each side. And mm-hmm. there are little turnip bits inside of it. But I didn't realize they were turnips until now. And it's so funny. You looked at me and I was like, Joanna and I are talking about the same thing. <laughs> I was like, or no, I, it's like you looked at me and I was like, oh my God, Joanna's referencing this thing that I grew up eating. And that, obviously, you know what it is because you love Chinese food. I do. I love it. Um, So Um, that's my turnip history. Joanna figured out my turnip history for me. (laughs) I was like, I know she's had this. She just has to think about it. Um, (laughs) Although, sometimes things that get translated as turnips in English are actually daikon radishes. Um, Yeah. But uh, there are things that we call turnip cakes, I believe, that are made with what we call turnips in the U.S. too. Yeah. So anyway. exactly what you're talking about. um, That brings me to another thing thought, which is Chinese food is another, I always, every time we do eating for power, I'm like, cook Chinese food. Yeah, cook um, food. But for things that you're not sure how to cook, like cabbage or parsnips or um, turnips, or we were talking about beets earlier, look to um, recipes from cultures where that food is really important because they're going to have ways you haven't thought of and there will be interesting flavors there. Mm-hmm. Like, how much more interesting to me to eat a turnip pancake or something like that with like sesame seeds and like dipping it in soy sauce or whatever yeah. than like for me just to just eat like mashed in. turnips, which yeah. again, oh, like gosh. there's a place for that. Yeah. I've never had mashed turnips. You, they're a little, they can be a little bit bitter, but, and a little watery. But the trick is if you do half potatoes and half turnips, then oh. you can have mashed paternips. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's a little milder. That's amazing. <laughs> Mashed turnips. Not that I recommend sneaking food to your children, but if you're trying to get your kids to eat turnips, mashed paternips would probably be a good way to do it. Uh, and then potatoes. Ah, oh, yes. Speaking of potatoes. My favorite. Love potatoes. Love them in all way, shapes, or form. Forms. <laughs> I love um, like uh, getting a mix of little baby potatoes, like red ones and purple, purple ones and white ones, and uh, from the farmers market, and then like slicing them into quarters or halves, however big they are, and essentially just covering them with olive oil and fresh rosemary. Mm. Rosemary and potatoes. It's like they were made for each other. Mm-hmm. They were literally a match made in heaven. Like they were, they were meant to be together, like Sunny and Cher, <laughs> and um, and then I just roast that, and then we'll just eat that with a fork. Delicious. And so that's that's one way, and then of course sweet potatoes I love in any way, shape, or form. So, um, we've talked about this on the show before, but Daphne, are potatoes the devil? Potatoes because are not the devil. They certainly oh get demonized a lot Don't in they? writing about like foods that are bad for you. I know. Yeah, people demonize potatoes like it's their jobs. And um, to which I have to say to those people, stop bullying potatoes. Potatoes come from the earth, and potatoes are so full of nutrient density. And potatoes are have so much good fiber, and they have so many minerals in them. And um, and I'm talking about regular potatoes too. Like okay, everyone knows sweet potatoes. Yeah, okay, we get it. Everyone loves sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are healthier. Sweet potatoes are orange. Therefore, since they're not white, you know they're better. <laughs> but no, normal potatoes, especially when you get like the like baby potatoes in all different colors, uh, even white ones, Yukon Gold, totally fine. Uh, potatoes still contain so many nutrients in them that really, when it comes to the standard American diet. Well, potatoes are the last thing I'm worried about. I'm more worried about people eating freaking cornflakes and Cheerios and Pop-Tarts than um, potatoes. So don't fear the potato. Totally. I have people who will avoid potatoes and who... Okay. Yes, I'm admitting this. I know I have people in my life who will say things like, I don't eat bananas. They contain too much sugar. I don't eat potatoes. But, you know, we'll consume processed packaged foods for breakfast. So, you know... Don't demonize. Well, first of all, don't demonize anything. There's a time and a place for Pop-Tarts. There's a time and a place for Oreo cookies. Um, But there um, is really no reason to demonize potatoes. Uh, People talk about this glycemic index situation a lot. And you guys know that Joanne and I, we come from a place where if it comes from the earth, eat it. You're good. And your tip with potatoes is just eat the skin if you can, right? Eat the skin, yeah. Because there's the a lot of fiber there. All the fiber, all the nutrients, so much of it in the skin, but also so much of it in the meat of the potato as well. And that doesn't mean you have to do a baked potato. You can make mashed potatoes with, or, the, skin. with the skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a little bit more rustic, but that's fine. Yeah. I recommend with mashed potatoes, use the Yukon Gold ones mm-hmm. or the red ones, and then leave the skin on completely. Maybe if you want to kind of scrape off some of the skin, that might be like, I don't know. What's the word that has like a spud? Is that oh, like eyes? Yeah, <laughs> a spud. Aww, I love um, that. That's what you think a baby potato is called. The whole thing is called a spud, right? Well, I mean, spud is like a nickname for potatoes. Just potatoes in general. I think so. Oh, okay. So I meant like the eye. Like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You can nick those off. Totally. <laughs> uh, and sweet potatoes um, are cool. That's another thing that if you want, you can make in the crock pot. And then mm-hmm. you can just wrap them in foil and keep them in your fridge, like, already cooked. Mm-hmm. And if you cook them whole. And then you can just, like, take one out and, like, 
heat it back up and put some yeah. stuff on top of it, or totally. just like have it as your snack. Yeah, I mean, people here at in in my office, um, you see people just like bringing in half an entire sweet potato and eating that for lunch with like some hard boiled eggs. You know, it's like uh-huh. an easy, quick thing. That sounds uh, like a sad lunch, but I get what you're going for. <laughs> it looks very delicious. You know, you get to eat the, really the entire thing, and and it's it's so good. Like it's it's really good. Maybe not hard-boiled eggs, but, or, or, I mean, yes, I have seen people here with hard-boiled eggs. I bring my own hard-boiled eggs here, <laughs> and people bring their own sweet potatoes here um, uh, to, to my office. Whether or not they can be paired, of course they can be paired. But what I'm trying to say is, it's amazing how how filling and delicious and satisfying just eating a sweet potato with some salt and pepper, uh, how amazing that is. Yeah. The sweet potatoes are a thing for me. Um, where going in the savory direction is very critical mm. because I think a lot of people's association oh, with sweet potatoes yeah. is like at Thanksgiving with like marshmallows oh. on the top. Yeah. And that yeah. to me is so unappealing because I don't like stuff that's super sweet. Yeah. But sweet potatoes have like a little bit of natural sweetness, but they pair great with like Parmesan yeah. or like the same s- spices you would put in stuffing. So like sage, yeah. stuff like that. Like you, if you take a sweet potato that already has some natural sweetness and then go in the savory direction, mm-hmm. um, that can really be a nice balance. Yeah. Salt and fat. So <laughs> I'm like super into sea salt and just that olive oil. Even if you do a baked sweet potato, potato. Even if you do a baked sweet potato, drizzle it with olive oil, um, to give it the, the umami, to give it the fat. Totally. Yeah. Um, what about winter squash? I know that you love squash. I love all squashes with a passion. What's your fave squash? Um, I love butternut. Mm-hmm. I literally ate an entire pumpkin the other day. <laughs> By yourself? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a big pumpkin. It oh. was like a, it was a pumpkin that I, I think it was a sugar pumpkin, but mm-hmm. I bought it from the Union Square Farmer's Market initially as decor for Thanksgiving. Sure. And the guy was like, no, eat, you have to eat this when you're done using it as decor. Good for him. And he literally said, just take a vegetable peeler. Peel off the skin, cut off the stalk, obviously, and chop it up into little cubes the way you would do butternut squash. Joanna, it was one of the best things I have ever tasted in my life. I mean, it was just, like, sweet and savory and just, like, crisp on the outside and, like, soft on the inside. And it was essentially just, like, eating glorified butternut squash or french fries. Like, it was (laughs) so, so, so good. Um, So squash. Love squash. Yum. Um, I really like delicata squash, which are mm. sort of football shaped and they have yellow and green stripes on the outside. And the thing I really like about delicata squash is you can eat the skin. Mm. So you don't have to peel them. And they're also Good pretty to easy to cut through. They're not as hard as butternut. So if you get really frustrated about the prep involved in cooking your own squash, delicata is the squash for you. I wish I knew that because I was intimidated by this pumpkin. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like staring it down for like five minutes. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know where to start. I would recommend <laughs> having a sharp knife is good. And also, um, there are a lot of like YouTube videos that will help you figure out like a safe way to crack open a squash because being safe is really important. Yeah. Safety first. Safety first. Um, also you can buy squash already cut up. Um, you're paying for the convenience, but yeah. if it's worth it to you, do your thing. It's still squash. And here's another trick, too. You can also get frozen butternut squash, and actually the nutrient density of frozen butternut squash is higher than if you were to get um, pre-cut up butternut squash. So the second the butternut squash is cut, it's um, it starts to lose its nutrient density. So if you get it frozen, it's like a nice little hack. Um, 
And uh, from what I hear, the flavor is still pretty good. That's um, another thing we should say in general is like, these are things that you can get um, around here locally and not frozen, but do not fear frozen produce. Mm -hmm. Um, For all the reasons Daphne just said, like frozen produce is frozen at its peak of nutrient density. Um, So it's, it it is not, um, not as good for you. That was a double negative. It's just (laughs) as good for you, if not better than fresh. So um, if you really want berries in the winter, go to that frozen food aisle and get some frozen berries. Mm -hmm. Like, um, do not fear the freezer. Do not fear the freezer. It's amazing how useful the freezer can be when it comes to saving soups and stews and chilies and protein. Mm -hmm. You know? Totally. Yeah. Well, let's talk about fruit. So winter can be a little bit of a sad time for fruit locally, but... There are options, and luckily we live in a time where we can fly things in from yeah. California. Thank so uh, everyone knows about apples and pears, right? Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, apples and pears, they're pretty good. There's a reason they're, they're popular. so good. The Union Square, I've been like loading up on apples from McGlory Farms and the Union Square Farmer's Market, and they taste amazing. They mm-hmm. taste like they just came from a tree. They taste like how apples are supposed to taste in like the storybook world. Totally. <laughs> you know? And I feel like it's it's getting more and more common for even um, sort of average grocery stores that aren't like a Whole Foods or something to have more kinds of apple. Yeah, definitely. So that would be a fun thing to do this winter, especially if you're, if you have kids. It's like taste through the apple aisle. Mm-hmm. Like one week get Jonah Gold's and yeah. one week get Granny Smith's and, and one then, week get um, Fuji's. And, and like Honeycrisp. Yeah, I've you could, to Honeycrisp. You could draw... That was invented at the University of Minnesota. Did you know? It was invented? Yeah. It was like bread. It was bread. A lot of apple varieties Mm. come out of the University of Minnesota. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Um, Things you know when you're from Minnesota. (laughs) Uh, I'm really into this idea now of doing like an apple tasting with your kids and like drawing pictures of each apple for like the colors. At the end of the winter, you'd have like an apple book. This is my like preschool teacher brain. But... My brain has never gone there. <laughs> it would be very fun. That's adorable. I kind of want to, but see, the thing is, when you say that, I think, oh, that's something I want to do for myself. <laughs> you can. Like an apple tasting, like a wine tasting party, but yeah, apple tasting. That'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Invite us to your apple tasting party, listeners. Oh, yeah. Uh, and pears. Um, there are lots of different varieties of pears, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can help sh- uh, switch things up a little bit. I know. People always go for apples, but it's like, switch it up and go for pears. Mm-hmm. Um, pears are so interesting. They are. Like, they're so, like, it's a, every time I bite a, into a pear, I'm like, why am I not eating this more often? And they have really different textures. Some are almost as crunchy as an apple, like mm-hmm. Asian pears mm-hmm. are, apples like, crunchy are so like apples. Yeah. And then some are much softer. There's a lot of variety there. Yeah. And some you feel like you can eat with a spoon. Totally. Yeah. All right. So now we get into my winter guilty pleasure, which is I actually don't feel guilty about, which is citrus from uh, warmer yes. climates. The fact is, citrus fruits don't grow up here, but they are in season in the winter. Yeah. So, so do not feel bad mm-hmm. about having your oranges from Florida, or my favorite is blood oranges. Yeah. I love so blood oranges. Good. So good. Embrace it. Yeah. Um, they come in, like, just when you're like, if I eat another apple, I'm going to punch myself in the eye. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden you get the citrus in. Yeah. So delicious. Well, growing up, um, so my parents, they always got produce from... Uh, well, what well, local farmers markets in California, but the other place my parents would get all of their produce from. My parents worked in San Francisco, so they would go to Chinatown in San Francisco and come back with Fuji apples and oranges like by the caseful. 
every winter. And I kid you not, the oranges we had during the winter time, I mean, they tasted like candy. They were so sweet. And it was actually a different type of orange. It wasn't Florida oranges. They were Texas oranges hmm. with a thinner skin and like a much sweeter inside. So they're great for juicing, but great for just peeling and eating. And um, so that's my, my orange memory and why I miss being home because <laughs> my parents just have fruit on tap. and Totally. Just, easier at home. (laughs) I think that is a nice thing to do in the winter is try to have as much fruit around as you can because your palate can get really dull in the winter. I I know mine does. And just having something that's like fresh tasting and exciting um, and like has that acid that you have in citrus. Yeah. Yeah, And the acid Mm -hmm. too. That's, that's important too. Totally. Acidity. It's all about acidity. Do you have pomegranate experience? I do. I have a lot of pomegranate experience. Uh, so pomegranate, you eat the seeds, right? You totally eat the seeds. Pomegranates are so awesome. I literally like ate an entire one just on Sunday night um, cooking with my younger sister. We were making a salad and it was just like a big like warm quinoa salad with you know greens and pomegranate seeds and uh, candied walnuts. And pomegranates are so easy to eat. You literally just cut them in half. And then you just face them like palm side or like open side down into a bowl and just whack the the pomegranate with a wooden spoon and all the seeds come out like jewels and all of a sudden you have a big bowl of pomegranate seeds and we eat them by, by the spoonful. It's like making me salivate thinking about it. They're so sweet and so tart and so delicious. So go for pomegranates. That's another thing that I'm pretty sure does not grow locally, but you can get this time of year. Definitely. Um. And then as far as protein goes, um, we already talked about, like, you can keep meat in your freezer. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this is a good time of year for, like, making meaty stuff because you can yeah. roast it in one pan with all your vegetables and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's fast and easy. Yeah. This is when you get to use your slow cooker, when you get to cook these hearty comfort foods that make you feel good that make your soul feel good, that, like, make you feel good physically and also mentally and emotionally, um, that, you know, fill your apartment with delicious smells and make you excited for for the cold. It mm-hmm. makes winter so fun and so bearable when you have delicious things to look forward to. And this winter, I plan on using my sous vide a lot. That's right. So, yeah, that's another thing you can just throw the meat into the bag and then into the water bath. We have a whole, we talk about this a lot in many other episodes, but that's something that I'm really into right now. Also, um, when it comes to talking about freezer stuff again, I mean, it's so easy to do with just a big grocery shopping trip and just the freezer is your best friend. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another technology that I know a lot of people are going to be working with, because probably a lot of people got them for Christmas or Hanukkah, is Instant Pot yeah. um, pressure cookers. Every single one of my family members has requested one for... Oh, really? Yeah, except me. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough kitchen appliances. But, but um, that's really nice because roasting or slow cooking is great, but it can take a long time. Mm-hmm. And the Instant Pot really speeds up the process, whether you're doing short ribs or a roast or things like that. So if you've been staying away from slow cooking because it is slow, take a look at uh, pressure cooking. They're much safer than they used to be. Very yeah. hip right now. There are tons of cookbooks with um, ideas. Yeah. I mean, I was reading in my Food Network magazine, my December issue, there is an entire section on Instant Pot recipes. It is literally, my dad has asked for one. That is how relevant <laughs> Instant Pots are, that my dad, who is literally not on any social media, who is in his own little David Yang world, 
knows what it is. Totally. Before I did. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, well, I'm going to do a little takeaway here. So it's the winter, but we still need to eat food and we still need to power up our bodies. So we're going to eat for power in the winter. We're going to get in our nutrients, um, get in our vitamins, and we're not going to be worried about the fact that we don't feel like eating a raw salad because that's okay. We don't feel like it because it's the winter, so we can eat cooked vegetables, and that's great. Um, we had lots of ideas for how to cook stuff. We'll put links on the show notes and uh, in our mailing list, which you can, again, sign up for on our website, justformorepodcast.com. Um, and uh, maybe we'll be posting some pictures of some stuff we made on our on our Instagram page, at just Instagram page. I sound like an old. Uh, on our Instagram, <laughs> at justonemorepod. Uh, so follow us and tag us in what you're cooking this winter. We're always interested to see what's going on out there in listener land. I feel like such an old <laughs> period. Stay warm, everybody. Good. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah versus the Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 